electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll do my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me. Be nice. At Jim Kramer. Stock picking sometimes can be all about patterns. Including on a day like today, where the Dow lost 158 points, S&P fell 0.63%, the Nasdaq dipped only 0.1%, and was up most of the day. Some of these patterns are so pronounced that hedge funds can actually automate the whole trading process. They'll whip up an algorithm that buys all sorts of stocks, say, if oil's running or interest rates are plummeting. Now, I've never been a huge fan of these algorithms or, frankly, their accolades. There are plenty of patterns that are easily visible to the naked eye, and on most days, you can spot them before the machines do. When you see them, you have to pounce. I'm going to have a teaching moment here and tell you how to do it. Let me give you some examples just from today's action. Let's start with Apple. Now, for years, you could probably just speak along with me. Uh, I'm telling you to own it. Don't trade it. Today was a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This is a fantastic company with incredible prospects and a cheap stock. There's no need to get cute. However, there are some days when you can buy Apple at a lower level. And if you don't already have a full position here, those are the days when you should pull the trigger. Days like today. See, Apple unveiled their new iPhone today. And just as I predicted last night, the phone was panned by the pundits and the stock sold off. The experts described it, and they used this as the most damning word in the English language. Incremental. And that makes it sound like nothing special. It's like, oh, it's incremental. Guess what? That's what they have said about nearly every new iPhone for years. Yet what happens when they're in the stores? People buy them hand over fist. I got the actual specs from Apple. I got to tell you, I haven't been this excited about a new model in ages. It's not just because the iPhone 12 has 5G. Oh, that doesn't hurt. I love the screen, the colors, the huge leap in durability. And and that is a great leap forward for anyone who's ever had to deal with a cracked screen. I cracked mine in Mexico. Then I got a splinter in my hand. It was like, oh, bad. This thing's got a bunch of new features. They're doing very cool things with the camera. It's insanely fast. I feel like Stieglitz when I have it. But to listen to the critics, oh, it's nothing special. 
feels like some of these guys haven't liked anything Apple's put out since Steve Jobs died. Me? Hey, I have the 11, and I've already put the word out to my wife that I want the 12 for the holidays, ideally the bigger one. I know what you're thinking already. (laughs) I can see it on Twitter. Easy for you to say, Kramer, you can afford it. This is like the humongous criticism I got for wearing an Italian 180-count fiber suit to my garden last weekend when I picked the gourd up. I mean, how could anyone hate a guy like that? Is, is, do you think I really garden in my suit? Believe it or not, I don't. Uh, and, and I'm not going to pay full price for the new iPhone either. I'm going to turn in the 11 to buy the 12. Regardless, even if you think I'm an out-of-touch coastal elite person who wouldn't even know the price of a milk carton, Apple's got a pattern. The stock always runs up into the launch, then it comes back down. As the analysts explain why they are so unimpressed. They're almost like that's their day to be able to grit their teeth and say, Apple, I know better than you. Historically, this post-launch pullback has been a fabulous moment to buy Apple. Pattern number two, Amazon Prime Day. Do you know every year people get hyped for Amazon? Uh, uh, for Amazon's made-up shopping holiday, every year fails to inspire. Now, I actually had my team peruse the sites. We were surprised there was, like, nothing we really wanted. I mean, I didn't see anything. I mean, like, nothing. I was going to buy an electric toothbrush. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, what happened? Well, the stock ran up 300 points going to this event. Now, it's propelled by what I regard as clueless buyers. Now, the stock was able to run at one point today, but then it collapsed and gave up nearly all the gains it had today. In other words, it was a futile sucker's rally and it's probably not even done. Listen, Prime Day was scheduled months ago. You don't pay up for a stock betting on an event that everybody already knows about. And I say that as someone who really likes the stock of Amazon. You have to have at least some sort of edge before you pull the trigger. You can't just look at a calendar and say, oh, let me buy some Amazon ahead of Prime Day. Made a lot of money. People see how well they did. No, that's not investing. That's not how it works. Hey, you want simple? I've been telling you I hate the bank stocks, which is why we only own two of them for Chapel Trust. J.P. Morgan, because it's the best of breed, and Goldman Sachs, because it's really an investment bank, not a bank. Investment banks are doing great. I'll find out tomorrow. I might have to eat crow. As soon as Citigroup reported this morning, the stock started sliding and dragged down to J.P. Morgan. Neither bank actually reported bad numbers, but they both beat the estimates. But no one cares, and Citi had a bad expense ratio. Uh, Wall Street has no interest in owning the banks going into this COVID-induced small business apocalypse. And in Citi's case, a lot of money needed to handle risk controls. They have to, they have to boost that. That's dead money. Risk controls does not produce more revenue. So what's the pattern here? Whenever the bank stocks go down, we immediately get a massive amount of option call buying in PayPal and Square, which are, of course, the bank light model that don't have actual credit risk. Not just call options. A lot of it is money is call options that are out of the money. Now, the market makers who who have to short the calls to them and then short the stock to protect themselves are getting hurt. They're being overwhelmed by endless buying, the likes of which they've never seen. And I mean never. In my time, there were only a couple of stocks where so many trading desks got caught short at the worst possible time. Yet it happens every day now. The buyers won't quit and the shorts keep getting blasted to pieces because of these novel young buyers who just don't understand the way it's done and think they're being geniuses. And maybe, hey, some of them are. Their willingness to pay up for PayPal and Square is shocking. Professionals hate moving stocks up with their own buying. That's Bush League. Um, the, these, the professionals are like Butch Cassidy and Sundance kids that saying, hey, who are those guys? 
I think it's a youthful cohort that just doesn't care about discipline. They like their call options to go up even if it takes themselves and their firepower to do so. There are some other names they operate on when the Nasdaq hangs, hangs in there. For instance, we've had Fastly on the show before. Oh, it's good. It's a good company. It helps the web run faster. They have TikTok as a client. That runs really fast. New York Times. It must be doing something right. But Fastly's in a competitive space. Just ask Akamai, which means it can lose customers. No matter. When the Nasdaq hangs in there like it did today, the young Robinhood traders, uh, led by Davey Day Trade Portnoy, blitz into the call options of the stock that he calls Fistly. Fastly. Fistly. <laughs> the institutions that were shorting the stock expected to have a weaker quarter just get run over day after day. Portnoy moves Fistly the way Russell Wilson moves the Seahawks. Here's another pattern. Today, we got some bad news on the COVID front from both J&J and Eli Lilly. They both had to pause the clinical trials, J&J for its vaccine, Lilly for its antibody therapy because of safety concerns. Neither of these seemed like an actual big deal to me. But whenever there's bad COVID news, in other words, that COVID is winning over humans, well, what happens? Well, the, these young people, they grab Peloton, they buy DocuSign, they buy Roku, and they buy Zoom video. Those are the most obvious plays that stay at home economy. And they say, oh, let's buy some calls on them. Does any of this make sense? As I said last night, there's been a lot of silly buying lately. These patterns are so ingrained and gettable, it's almost surprising that everyone hasn't already figured them out. I know Royal Caribbean did it today. Whoa, what about a Hawaiian punch? You know why? Here's the bottom line. Sometimes the pros miss out on patterns because it's just too stupid to believe. Too obtuse. When you have buyers who are this thoughtless, you get obvious patterns where you have to forget your discipline and go back to a simpler time where people bought stocks way too high, ended up selling them lower, and what I regard as an investing strategy that can only be described as ill-advised. Dan in Illinois. Dan. Hey, Jim. I'm calling from Chicago, but my team is the Ohio State Buckeyes, so go Bucks. All right. Jim, All right. Sounds good. <laughs> there you go. Yep, I'm a longtime fan of Nordstrom for their great customer service. However, the stock is down to like 1336 today from 42 in late 29. So, Jim, with the recent positive market sentiment for consumer discretionaries, do you recommend sticking with it? What was the stock? Nordstrom. Nordstrom? Nordstrom's time has come and gone. They need to merge. If they merge with someone, they can save. But it may be merge or die. Merger. Joseph in Florida. Joseph. Hey, booyah, Jim. This is Joe from Tampa. Go Yo. Rays. I, All right. uh, I own Big Lots, and it's been doing very well for the past two quarters, and I'm looking to add to my position. What do you think from here? I think here? you should. My friend John Duskin's in there with Big Lots. And take a look what he's done with his crowd at Bed, bath, and beyond. What did I tell you about bed, bath, and beyond? People laughed at me. They all laughed at me. It was kind of like, you know what it was like? It was like Carrie in that scene in the gym, you know, where John Travolta jumps the blood on me. They all laughed at me. But guess what happened to that gym? Ha! All right. Dino in Florida, please. Dino. Hey, Jim. Long time, first time. All right. Olin, Olin Corporation, O-L-N. They uh. manufacture ammunition and chemicals, Winchester brand, both right. in demand. What do you think? I think the commodity chemicals, I was talking to my buddy Frank Mitch, the commodity chemicals are really good. Olin is kind of not great company, but it's been working because all the commodity chemicals have been working. I happen to like, I, I like Dow. I think Dow is great. Uh, DuPont's still got enough chemicals that that can work, but Olin's working too. They're all working. Why Dell's working. And you got an interesting idea there. All right, guys, stock packing, uh, stock picking is all about patterns. 
including seeing some obvious ones and getting them because you say, well, wait a second. If that guy's going to take up Amazon like that, I'm going to swat it right down. Think about the stock. Look at the brilliance of Royal Caribbean because these younger investors kept taking it up. Sorry. Now you can attack me all on Twitter. Go ahead because I'm taking a 24-hour blackout because you're so nasty. Anyway, I'm Man Money Tonight. October's looking a lot more encouraging than September so far. But can this market keep it up as earnings season gets into full swing? Well, we got to go off the charts to find out, don't we? Then, is an investment in the cruise lines a sinking ship? Or could they be ready to tackle the seas once again? I'm going to take a closer look at today's decline in the sector. And I like to think I'm a pretty smart guy, but I can't get them all. Today, I'm circling back to a stock that stumped me, Celsius Holdings, and going straight to the source to learn more about the company and... Look at it from the skeptical and critical side. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So far, October's been a lot more encouraging than September, hasn't it? Over the last few weeks, this market's had a spectacular run. One that's raised nearly all of the losses from last month's bitter sell-off. But how much longer can we keep this up now that earnings season is upon us? COVID cases are spiking all over the world, including right here. Johnson & Johnson just paused their vaccine trial after an adverse reaction. And perhaps most important, the stimulus negotiations have stalled, and that's also hurt the banks. I don't blame anyone for feeling a little cautious here for this epic rally going to the earnings, especially considering that there's an election in three weeks. Look, whether you're in the Trump camp or the Biden camp, this is an emotional moment. Emotions are an anathema to being a good investor. And that's why I'm always telling you to take your feelings out of the equation. One way to do it is to go off the charts. So tonight we're checking, wow, I like this, with, with Tom DeMarc. 
Now, he's the pioneering head of DeMarc Analytics. This guy is almost a mythical figure in the world of technical analysis. He's created so many indicators and strategies. He's got a stunning track record when it comes to timing the market. When I was a hedge fund manager 30 years ago, I said, got to know what DeMarc's thinking. DeMarc and his buddy, Larry Williams, whom we often quote, are like, I don't know, Batman and Superman of technicians. Oh, I'm not going to say which one is which. The point is they're both foundational characters. Ever since the pandemic got rallying, DeMarc's track record has been nothing short of astounding. He called the breakdown in February. He called the bottom in late March. We last caught up with him on August 25th, and he predicted the averages could start rolling over within the week. The Dow and the S&P peaked six trading days later, then spent the next three weeks getting hammered. Now, now that we've bounced off those lows, though, what, what's DeMarc's assessment here? Okay, look. Take a look at this daily chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. DeMarc and his team take a proactive approach to timing the market rather than a reactive one, which doesn't do us any good at all. In late August, you can see he warned us that the market would, uh, could soon peak. And we did have a short-term peak followed by a big breakdown. Uh, but it didn't stick. Why not? Here's the thing. Many years ago, Tamar came, up, Tamar came up with a series of timing models that have proven to be ridiculously reliable. He's always looking for mo- moments, true just moments, snapshots, where a trend is about to exhaust itself. You get more detail on this method at something called Symbolic.com. I'm going to spell that for you. S-Y-M-B-O-L-I-K.com, his cloud-based analytics platform. These models allow DeMarc and his team to spot key price levels and key moments where a stock or an index or even a cryptocurrency is likely to change its trajectory. When the Dow peaked on September 2nd, and you can see where we are, it coincided perfectly with DeMarc's timing model, but not his price model. He figured we run all the way to 29400 or even 29500 before we peaked. In other words, even though he pretty much called a sell-off, his methodology suggested there was something off about the decline. When the Dow bottomed on September 24th, DeMarc's short-term timing indicator turned positive, which convinced him that his old upside targets were back in play. He sees the Dow running to anywhere from 24,409 to 29,551 before it runs out of steam, up about 25 to 3% from where it's currently trading. So we want to grab that game, right? We want to grab it. We don't want to be we don't want to be too greedy. So in terms of timing, the Dow's now 10 sessions into what could be another 13 session sequential pattern. And that's the same pattern that, that told DeMarc the market would roll over in early September. If we get three more sessions, right? where the Dow finishes above the close from two days before, above the close from two days before, then the pattern says we're looking at a top. So let's take a look at what could happen here. DeMarc has another timing model that puts us, uh, uh, puts us 11 sessions into a 13-session countdown, meaning two more up days take us to the peak. If the Dow also hits DeMarc's price target in that period, well, then things could get ugly. Assuming this pattern holds up, he thinks we've got one last leg higher. Okay, so you don't have to get out today, but you have one last leg higher before this rally runs out of steam. It's possibly at the end of the week. That's not what I want to hear, but it would make sense. We've had a monster run going into earnings season. So let's say this pattern unfolds as predicted. We get one last hurrah through the end of the week. We got about three more big weeks of earnings after this. Then the market rolls over. What happens next? Well, then, of course, we have to contend with the election. Assuming the Dow peaks in a few days and then we get that sharp decline that he's talking about, DeMarc says there should be just enough time for his indicators to turn positive and identify a bottom right before the election. Wouldn't that be something he's the second guy I know who says that? And I kind of like it, too. Next, it's, please, this. 
is the important one. I love this one. It's worth pointing out that he nailed 2016. Nailed it. Going into the last presidential election, Wall Street was pretty negative, remember? There was a sense of low-level dread. The conventional wisdom said that Hillary would win, and to the stock market that meant continuity with the Obama era, even though stocks actually did pretty good under Obama. A lot of money managers weren't exactly enamored with the Democratic Party, though. At the same time, though, Trump was widely seen as a destabilizing force. Sure, he was promised to cut taxes, but the market lost predictability. And you know what? I think we discovered that Trump, he's not all that predictable. Plus, in all honesty, these were two of the least popular candidates in American history. So however things shook out, a lot of investors were going to be less thrilled. However, DeMarc, he had a totally different view. Take a look at the action doubt back then. Two days before the election, DeMarc recorded a 13-day buy countdown, the bullish version of the same pattern he's using to predict the top in the very near future. He predicted we'd have a major rally where the Dow could surge to almost 20,000, which would act as a ceiling of resistance. We ran all the way to 19,999. Then flatlined for a few months with the market breaking out to the upside right after Trump's inauguration. DeMar thinks there's a very good chance we could follow a similar pattern this time around. Again, there are a lot of, they got to give me a lot of contingencies here. No, I mean, assuming the market peaks later this week, assuming we get a sharp decline, assuming his buy countdown plays out as expected, then we can get a nice rebound right around election day, regardless of results. Hey, that's 20 days, man. Stick with me. The bottom line, the charts is interpreted by the legendary Tom DeMarc suggests the Dow and the rest of the market could have one last move higher going into the end of the week, followed by a potentially ugly sell-off. It would do some tough earnings next week, I believe. Silver lining, that same method that tells DeMarc we're cruising for a bruising also tells him that it might only last two or three weeks with a possible bottom close to Election Day. So you're going to have to pull the trigger and do some buying. And, of course, stick with Kramer. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching 
engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Once I've been asked, when will it be safe finally to own these cruise stocks again? Now, people love these. And for, for months, I've told you to hold your horses. I think the cruise lines can eventually recover. They're well run. They've raised a lot of money. Their bookings for next year look pretty darn good, assuming they're allowed to operate. But I've been adamant that speculating in these stocks could be premature. doesn't matter that they're great. Carnival or Royal Caribbean or Norwegian might be. I mean, the truth is that right now they're not allowed to set sail because of the pandemic. Hey, call me crazy, but I'm reluctant to recommend anything that's legally barred from doing its business. Why would you want to own stock in a company that can't operate until they can safely set sail? There's just not much they can do. On the other hand, there's always something that can go wrong. I mean, look at what happened today. After a big run over the last few weeks, driven by just voracious young people buying, Royal Caribbean took advantage of the appetite for its stock and announced a $500 million secondary offering coupled with a $500 million private offering of senior convertible notes. In response, the stock just got eviscerated. It ended up plummeting 9%, $9 or 13%. And the negative pin action crushed the entire group. I said, what did you expect? The cruise lines need money. If you bid their stocks up, as many younger, less informed investors keep on doing, they're bound to issue new equity. They're going to stuff you. They can't afford to pass up that opportunity, which in a more discerning market would never even be given them a chance to do so. However, now that the group is sold off, I think it's actually worth revisiting the cruise lines. I'm not ready to recommend them. But despite the fits and starts we had lately with these uh, the trials, uh, AstraZeneca, then J&J, we are getting closer and closer, step by step, inch by inch, to a COVID vaccine. And we've already got a lot more testing. So I want to explain what happens, or at least what needs to happen, before these stocks will be worth buying. First, though, let's go over the basics. Like, when can they sell again? The Centers for Disease Control slapped the no-sale order on the industry in March because too many cruise ships had turned into COVID incubators. That no-sale order was set to expire in late September, but then CDC reportedly wanted to extend it through to February of next year because the pandemic is still going strong. We're currently being swapped by the third wave of infections now. But the pitiful, helpless CDC was overruled by the all-powerful White House. So the current no-sale order expires on October 31st, less than three weeks away. Early last week, though, Norwegian and Royal Caribbean both announced they were canceling the cruises through the end of November instead. Carnival had already canceled nearly all of its U.S. cruises through the end of the year, except for the ones sailing out of southern Florida. They wanted to get these going again in in, uh, November, but just yesterday, Carnival canceled its November cruises. None of these companies wants to reopen uh, before it's safe because a shipboard outbreak would be very bad for business. Plus, you know, killing your own customers frowned upon in the hospitality industry. Kidneys. So at the, at the very earliest, domestic cruises won't be back until December. I know the president wants them now. I mean, I know. He's like, I'm sure he would. Do you think he takes, what is he, when he goes, does he go on Carnival? Does he do, does, which, which does he go? So I'm asking my executive producer, Regina. Does the president, does he use Carnival or does he go on Royal Caribbean? Or is, he's a Norwegian, Norwegian cruise. 
president's Norwegian cruise. I just learned that. OK. Um, and, and, he, you know, they're they're ready in December. If we're still in the middle of a bad outbreak, I expect them to postpone again, regardless of what the government says or if they want to ride with the Royal Caribbean. The rest of the world is a uh, it, it, it's a very different story. See, cruises actually resumed as early as July in some European countries that did a really good job of containing the virus. Did you know they're going? So far, it's been been terrific, thanks to rigorous health and safety regulations. They can do it there. How do they ensure these ships are safe? Well, they do constant testing, constant cleaning, new air filters, mandatory social distancing, and protocols to quarantine anyone who's just come back positive. Royal Caribbean and Norwegian teamed up on a healthy sail panel. They brought in a bunch of experts to figure out the safest way to do this. Carnival's off on, uh, on its own, but they're doing similar stuff. Remember I told you these are incredibly well-run companies with great CEOs. With that in mind, how are the individual cruise lines holding up now that Royals kind of wrecked the uh, mojo? Well, let's start with Royal, given that they just raised a billion, well, they're raising that billions of dollars worth of fundraising, billion dollars. Even before today, they had already borrowed $8.4 billion since the pandemic shut down the industry. Based on today's SEC filings, we know the company's burning through $250 million to $290 million per month during the prolonged suspension of operations. And that's after some major cost cuts. So today they bought themselves four more months. On the plus side, Royal Caribbean's bookings for next year look pretty good. And only about half of the people on canceled cruises are requesting refunds. The rest reschedule. And you get, by the way, you can get some incredible bargains. I don't know if you looked at it. The person who runs my life, Dylan Reback, he's, he's checking them out constantly. Well, Lisa, Lisa and then Dylan, Dylan Reebok. Dylan, Dylan Reebok. Reebok. Just so we know, it's my executive producer. She's the one who told us, she filled us in that the president takes where? He's a Norwegian cruise. And then, then, uh, and then uh, Dylan Reebok, who runs my life, tells me that the, the prices, the prices from next year are so great that you actually want to book them in case they get a vaccine. I'm not kidding. I looked at him and I said, I want to go on the haven part of Norwegian cruise. I don't know if Dylan Reebok has booked me on that yet, but that's where Trump, that's where Trump goes. Now, I'm not sure that Trump's actually won these. Just He was been cited, but it might not have been him. How about Carnival? All right. The, the company reported last week, and they told us that they're burning, oh, roughly $770 million in cash per month. Easy come, easy go. But management's been aggressive about raising cash. So far, they've borrowed about $12 billion, along with issuing more than $1.2 billion worth of stock. Plus, they're in the process of selling 18 ships. Carnival actually ended the third quarter with $1.3 billion, more than they had at the end of the second quarter. See, I told you, these guys are really good. They should have gone out of business. I don't even know how they stayed in business. As for Carnival's booking for 2021, they've already booked half the rooms available for sale. Again, the prices are incredible, which is at the high end of their historical range. Pricing is only down by mid-single digits versus 2019. About 55% of their customers on canceled cruises are asking for refunds. Finally, there is Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. When these guys reported in August, we learned that they were burning roughly $160 million per month. Since COVID hit, Norwegians raised roughly $6.8 billion via a mix of stock and bond offerings, mostly bonds. At the end of June, they had $2.3 billion in cash and equivalents. Norwegian was very, last, very honest on the latest conference call. They said they don't expect their fleet to return in earnest until the second quarter of next year. Remember, these guys, Frank Del Rio, he's fantastic. According to management, bookings for 2021 are very much within historical ranges. That's that haven that I want to go on. Now, if you put a gun to my head about this and told me to choose among the three cruise lines, the first thing I'd do is, please, I beg you to take away the gun. I mean, what do you take the gun to my head for? Anyway, it's too soon to buy them. 
And those of you young people who come in, I was I was looking at the tape this morning at three thirty and they were in there doing this again. They're in there buying before they even got gobsmacked by the Royal Caribbean deal. But if you insist on speculating on the cruise stocks, Carnival has the best exposure to the rest of the world. It's already sailing again. Royal Caribbean slowly coming back to life, too. Norwegian has the least going overseas. Based on what we've heard so far, I think Royal Caribbean is seeing the best uh, bookings for 2021, followed by Carnival, and Royal Caribbean's tied with Norwegian pricing. Put it all together, and I think Royal Caribbean's the best of the bunch, especially because, you know, today's capital raise. That was brilliant. Norwegian close second. They've had a ruthless approach to cutting costs. I like the precise approach to reopening, although they've also got the longest, uh, longest without a capital raise, but they've got so much money. You might see one of them. Uh, they, could, they could hammer the stock, though, if the people, these younger people keep buying the stocks without even knowing what the hell they're doing. As for Carnival, they're burning way too much cash for me to feel comfortable. But look, the bottom line is that it's still too soon to speculate in the cruise stocks. Their domestic ships won't start sailing again until December at the earliest. And I think there's a good chance that gets postponed again. If you really want cruise exposure, I say be patient because days like today make me think you'll get better buying opportunities. And remember, young investors, the cruise lines aren't like a lot of other stocks you play with. They need money and they're happy to take yours in the form of buying tickets or buying shares. And just, so you know, uh, Dylan and I, we're thinking this haven line to Alaska to watch the calving. And if you've never seen calving, you've never seen Jack. It's iceberg. No, they call him calving. I know. All right, Matt, Matt can we cut this in post-pacing, whatever we do? Matt in Florida, Matt. Jim, the stock that I've been sitting on is GlaxoSmithKline. I've had it for about a year. Obviously, they have a juicy dividend. But unfortunately, the stock's barely done anything. So I'm wondering... Is it worth sticking in with GSK or cutting bait for AbbVie? You cut bait for AbbVie and you do that tomorrow morning. AbbVie's got a better dividend. Soon they're going to be able to open hospitals and doctor's offices. And, and people are going to go get Botox and the skin's going to look better. It's self-fulfilling philosophy. Really? That's done? All right. Anyway, a little joking around because we love talking about these stocks. But younger people, you see what happens when you get too aggressive. The, ma- the management see you. They know you don't know what you're doing. So they just, they just hit you over the head with it. Two by four. So get a little better. Norwegian, you can join me and uh, Dylan when we go and take the Haven line to calving. But we also are very interested in what they have in the Caribbean. And then Carnival, we're holding off one. And uh, the president is very, very inclined to let these guys uh, go whenever they want. So I think what he ought to do is take the inaugural trip with me and Dylan on the Haven line going to Alaska, which means we're staying in America and we're doing it the American way. All right? Welcome aboard! There's much more mad money in, including my exclusive with a company up over 350% year-to-date that you first brought to my attention. Don't miss my sit-down with Celsius. Then we're, we're going to beat COVID, just maybe not in the way we originally thought. I'm going to explain. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with, our, stick with the people who know how to cruise and stick with Craig. We need to talk about the hottest stock that you've never heard of. It's called Celsius Holdings. This is an energy drink maker that's seen its share price surge from the mid-single digits to just under 23 as of today. Ah. You know that's up more than 370% just this year to date? 
Over the past couple months, I've gotten not one, but two calls about Celsius from Reed and Larry in Florida. But this stock was so hot that I wanted to do some homework before reaching a verdict, and it's controversial. Celsius has a compelling story. Two months ago, it reported a phenomenal quarter, 86% revenue growth. But a couple of amateur, and I think they are, short sellers have hit him with fairly negative reports in the past couple of weeks. Now there's a pretty sizable short position, about 12% of the float. So before making up our minds on this one, how about we go straight to the source? Yes, let's take a closer look with John Fieldley. He's the CEO of Celsius Holdings. Hear more about his company and its prospects. Mr. Fieldley, congratulations on that last quarter and welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here. Our team has been working hard. All right. So why don't you tell us about about calorie burning beverages, clinical trials, follow up and the uh, let's just say the, the fact that people seem to love this drink beyond all reason. Absolutely, Jim. People love this product, love Celsius. It's not just your typical energy drink. Celsius tastes great. It has no crash, no jitters. It provides essential energy. It has over seven essential ingredients in it, green tea, guarana, ginger, backed by science, like you said. It is clinically proven to burn calories and body fat, and it is truly on trend. We were born in the gyms and health clubs, Gold's Gym, 24-hour, right here in our virtual Planet Fitness, and gaining distribution across the country and really riding the health and wellness trends. Okay, so let's do this. Uh, let's be out front. I tried to find the seven research studies that, that indicate that things are good done between 2005 to 2010. Could you point us to them so that these people yeah, who continue to hector me and tell me that you do not have any evidence will understand that you do? Absolutely. The product, I mean, go to our website, Celsius.com. All the studies are there. They're double blind. They were done by Jeff Stout, who's world renowned in the sports nutrition industry. They were done at the Oklahoma University. The product has science behind it. It is well documented. And the product was formulated by Greg Horn, who's a world renowned formulation in the vitamin specialty space. So the product is spot on. We've also, our claims have been validated. We had a class action lawsuit in 2010, went through that process. So uh, the claims are strong, and it also has been reviewed by the NAD. So it's not just a fly-by-night supplement. It is clinically proven with six clinical studies, and we are on fire. We're seeing more consumers want to live a healthier lifestyle, and this trend is not going to slow down, and Celsius is here to capitalize on it. Okay, so tell me about your partners, where you've, been, where you've gotten in, because they're a pretty impressive group, who I think could have done all this research that the short sellers did, and they could have walked away. These guys have unlimited firepower to make any decisions they want. Listen, Jim, it's all about the numbers, right? The short sellers are out there, and you know that. You could do a whole episode on short sellers. They're out there really to hurt the average investor. And it's, uh, it's, really, it's really sad. Well, talk about but the partner wins there, so that people know these are companies that all could look into you, right, and decide that you are not the real deal. That's right. we got to deliver. You've seen our results in Q2, Q3. we got a 60% CAGR growth over the last four years in North America. So we are selling product. We're selling more each day. And retailers are bringing Celsius on. All right. So talk about your partner wins and distribution partners. Absolutely. Distribution's key in the beverage business. There hasn't been a billion-dollar brand not built without a distribution system. So over the last, really the last year, we've been working on a national distribution system. We're in a variety of Anheuser-Busch distributors, Kirk, Dr. Pepper, and many others around the country. Big guys are in New York, right in your backyard. 
as we build this national distribution network, we're going to be able to leverage our retail partners. Target, Walmart, CVS, we just launched in the Speedway. We, we're doing extremely well in 7-Eleven, Kroger, and many retailers across the country. Each channel of trade, we've been outperforming the category. And on Amazon, where the playing field is all equal, we have over a 10% share and the third largest energy drink brand on Amazon. So it shows you the opportunity we have here. All right, so it, it does, I'm listening to the opportunity, and yet there are many large insider sellers. Uh, and I'm trying to get my, my head around why you would be an insider seller if there's so many good things happening. Jim, we're all long on this. They, we had insiders sell a small piece to bring in two strategic funds this year. That's the, only, uh, that's the only reason for the small portion of the holdings that were sold by the insiders. Everyone else is long. Well, I mean, I, I look, I, obviously the sales are great. Uh, the fact that the distribution is done by companies that have no, look, there's no reason Target should affiliate with you if they were really scared. They do have, they have a fabulous group of people. I know the guys who run Keurig Dr. Pepper. They must have kicked the tires, right? <laughs> we're talking to a lot of people. We're focused on building this out. We're focused to be number one in the category. Uh, and we're riding all the health and wellness trends. I mean, this is where the category is going. We all know every single category in food and beverage is under disruption, and the energy category is under disruption right now, and Celsius is riding the wave. Well, it, it does seem like that to me, but I want everyone to know there's two sides because some of these guys are pretty voracious. So if you get long it and they suddenly put out a report, steal yourself, steal your hearts. That's John Fieldman. That's Shakespeare. That's John Fieldy, CEO of Celsius Holdings, C-E-L-H. Thank you, John. Always good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, Jim. Man Money is back after the break. It is time. Time for the lightning round. What's up? Round of And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. I want to start with Teresa in Washington. Teresa. Hi, Booyah. Booyah, Teresa. <laughs> been a fan of yours for many years. And I'd like to shout out to my son, Brandon, who's been trading for the last year. And our stock is that we'd like to ask you about today is Quidel Corporation. I like Quidel. I have the light diagnostic. I will see you, Quidel, and, and I will raise you Danaher, which I like even more. Don't forget Thermo Fisher. I need to go to Brad in Virginia. Brad. How are you, sir? Looking I'm good, Brad. How are you? In uh, their last I still for like Encigo. I like Encigo as much as the last five times someone asked me about it. Don't take that personally. I like Encigo. Do I like Encigo? Do I like Encigo? I like Encigo. Let's go to Derek in Texas. Derek. Hey, how's it going, Jim? Derek here. So I'm a big fan, so let's get started with a great big booyah. Booyah. All right. All right. All right. So look, I've got a company here that Citron and Muddy Waters have called a fraud. Done due diligence. It's clearly not a fraud, but not being a fraud doesn't make it the next Tesla. Uh, They'll be showcasing their their, uh, radiology tech at the RSNA conference in Chicago next month. So it's currently trading around 34, down from 60. The ticker is NNOX, Nanox. Jim, can we add this here ahead of that event? Derek, I'll tell you, you're so far ahead of me in this one. I have absolutely got to do more work. This is one of those stocks that I do not know, and I cannot pretend that I do. So let's just move on and market his homework 
and Ben Stoto and I are going to work on that one together. Now we're going to Chris in Texas. Chris. Booyah, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Chris. How about you? Amazing. Thank you. First time caller and actually started listening to you this past summer. Thank you for everything. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Thank you. My stock is, it's in regards to technology sector in the data center, specifically storage, all flash. Wanted to get your thoughts on pure storage. No, no, I don't. I mean, look, my conference call tomorrow with Axelers members, and I I, am told about, you know, some stocks are just too hard. Pure storage has made it, missed it, made it. I don't want that. I mean, to me, if I want storage, I am going to end up going to NVIDIA, which does GPUs that help in storage. Okay? Now we're going to go to Julie in Minnesota. Julie. Hi, Jim. First time caller here. All Um, right. So I'd like to get your take on is a company that went public in February with a $5 billion valuation. They're a data center equipment and service company, insures digital data for their clients, runs smoothly. Um, they're headquartered in Ohio with operations worldwide, and the stock is Vertiv. We like Vertiv here. We think it's terrific. I wanted to put it on my bullpen list for ExcelersPlus.com. I thought it was too small, but I don't know. And you know who's the chairman of Vertiv? Dave Cody. Good bloodlines. Let's go to Owen in South Carolina. Owen. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Yo, ho, chill, man. What's up? Not much, man. Uh, caught into some uh, pandemic stocks in the transport sector early on in this. I'm calling about Owens and Minor, OMI. We like uh, Owens and Minor. I mean, we like Owens and Minor. I don't know what, it's seven? No one believed, but we believe. At 14, we believe. At 21, believe. At 25, we still believe. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Sooner or later, we're going to beat COVID, but maybe not the way you expect. We know we can contain the virus because that's what we did earlier this year. When everybody wears masks and follows social distancing guidelines, we can stamp out new infections. But as soon as we lose discipline and start going to bars and start taking off our masks comes right back like clockwork. We're on our third wave now. And just like the second wave, the people who want to minimize the pandemic are telling you that we figured out how to make the disease much less lethal. Sure, cases are spiking, but deaths are still pretty low. While we've made real strides in treating this thing, you've got to remember that there's a three-week lag between a spike in new cases and a spike in the death toll. More importantly, this is a horrific virus that can have serious long-term health consequences for many. Even if it killed nobody, we're still talking about millions of Americans that who perhaps could have permanent organ damage. Look, I know some of you want to just reopen everything and let the chips fall where they may, but that's not going to happen until the pandemic is contained. We saw this with the second wave over the summer. No matter how much our governors might want to reopen, who can blame them? Once there's a serious outbreak, they lock things down again. So I'm begging you, once again, wear the mask. I know they're not always comfortable. That's why we started a contest to design more enticing ones at xprize.org mask. All that said, with a little leadership, I think we have all the tools we need to get the pandemic under control. First, it's not much easier to get tested. Yeah, I know you can go to these different sites, but I actually recommend going to an outfit called LabCorp. And you go to PixelLabCorp.com, where you get a test. And the next day after you order one, 
You take it at home. They use lower nostrils, not painful. And then FedEx it to the lab, and you get your results the next day. Okay, it's not instant, but these are PCR tests, the most accurate kind. And you don't have to go to a doctor's office or a pharmacy where you might be exposed to people with the virus. Plus, lab course procedure is often covered by insurance. Certainly, you want to check that. Last week, we profiled a private company. It's called Visby. Now, Visby has a small handheld PCR test. Yeah, it can fit right in your hand. There's so much demand for these things, you probably won't be able to get one. They're not expensive. They're one and done, okay? But they've got instant. It's certainly what I would use if I were in the NFL. Second, if you do get COVID, we're absolutely getting better at treating this thing. By the way, if you do get positive test results, could you please be taking a lot of vitamin C? You should be taking a lot of vitamin D right now. More importantly, 2,000. 2008. More importantly, in a few short months, most hospitals should have the Regeneron antibody cocktail the president got, or hopefully the Eli Lilly antibody drip, both of which can dramatically reduce your viral load. These are both very hard to make, although we know the government's already ordered 300,000 doses of Regeneron's cocktail. Unfortunately, Eli Lilly had to pause the clinical trial today because of a safety issue. So getting these antibody treatments where they're needed might take longer than we'd like, which is really amazing because they've really helped a lot of people already. But I think we're going to get there eventually. Of course, all of these are really stopgaps. The, the, the only thing that's going to really change things and make things different to the way it were, the vaccine. That's the only way we're going to go back. Until we get a vaccine, we can't really go back to normal. But vaccines are very tough to develop. Witness today when J&J had to pause its clinical trial because one patient got sick. That's one patient out of 60,000. The company reported a terrific quarter, yet the stock got hit, which is insane because J&J won't be making any money from its COVID vaccine anyway. So it really shouldn't be an issue. Honestly, I feel good about this story. It shows you they're being responsible. They're not rushing to push out a vaccine before it's ready. I am glad J&J is doing this. Listen, today uh, we mothballed Bar San Miguel, my small plate Mexican restaurant. We had to. We mothballed it until March. But why until March? Because I'm confident. I believe in science. I'm confident that we'll have something by then. Until we get there, though, we've got to keep up the social distancing and we have to wear the darn mask. We can't go back to normal without a vaccine. But we can make the pandemic a lot less intolerable if we stay disciplined and take it seriously. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I'll see you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.